RadioInfluence.com. We'll take deep dives into a myriad of, wow, did that really happen issues and reveal what's going on behind the scenes with stellar investigative journalist Tracy Beans on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is available at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review. And be sure to tell your friends about the show. The explosive stories the disingenuous mainstream media won't report the real facts. Tracy is on it. The huge Missouri versus Biden free speech case. Lieutenant General Michael Flynn suing the United States government for malicious prosecution and abusive process. Are they really going to indict President Trump for virtually nothing in New York? And what about Kerry Lake's fight for election integrity in Arizona? So are you ready? Well, let's get into it. The founder and editor-in-chief at UncoverDC.com, she's an investigative journalist zeroing in on political corruption and the legal system who digs and digs and keeps on digging until she can't dig anymore only because she's gotten to the truth. A frequent guest on radio and television and sought after speaker for rallies and conferences, she's the host of the Dark Delight podcast right here on RadioInfluence.com. It's been quite a while since we've gotten to chat over the airwaves, so I'm happy to welcome back to the show, Tracy Beans. How are you, Tracy? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Tracy, and, and everybody that's going to listen to this will understand this was recorded uh, a week before it airs. So what we're about to talk about, the whole political landscape may change by next Tuesday, but we have to work with what we have to work with. So I'll start right here. James Brown, my favorite entertainer of all times, was known as the hardest working man in show business. You've got to qualify as the hardest working woman in journalism. Well, in just, fact, I, wait, 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 I feel guilty sometimes when I email you because I'm afraid I may break your train of thought no matter what time of day or night it is. So, Tracy, do you ever take a break? Honestly, no. Um, I but know that. I can't believe it. It'd be three in the morning and you're still at it. But that's only because, Gary, like you said in the beginning, nowadays, like the difference between today and tomorrow could be light years Light years difference. What you think today and what happens tomorrow are so far apart, typically, that, you know, there's no shortage of things. And I'm one of those people that never is satisfied until I have an answer. So that means I'm always working. But I am going on vacation in, in, in two weeks. So that's good. Well, that's good to hear. And, uh, you know, because I, I don't understand. How do you juggle this? Because you have a husband, you have kids, and, and you, you every time I try and find you, I know you're there because I don't hear from you. So, you know, well, when I don't hear from you, I know you're on something. I do my best, Gary, to answer you when you email. And sometimes it's it's a day later, but it, it's typically it always happens unless it gets lost. Um, oh, I agree. But I'm saying I'm just talking about the bit. I'm just trying to give the people a feel for the <laughs> flavor of why I really believe I don't think you outwork anybody. It's, oh, it's thank a, you. It's, I mean, it's, anybody outworks you, excuse me. You know. It's a passion 
to save the country. So it's not, it doesn't even feel like work. You know how, when you do something that you, right. you know, you're passionate about, doesn't feel like work. Well, it doesn't feel like work because it has to be done. And so I'm going to do it. Cause I hear you. So let's get into it. When I met you, uh, at Rock the Red in South Carolina a few years ago it was the same day, the same weekend that I met and got to speak with General General Flynn, who has graciously, you've been on the show a couple of times and he has come on this show a couple of times. General Flynn just recently filed a lawsuit against the United States government, a 51 page complaint for, quote, malicious prosecution and abuse of process. It was filed in Florida where he lives and it's going to be uh, by jury trial. There's a lot in this complaint in regard to what they did to him, what they didn't do. Uh, wrap it down to what you understand about what's going on here. And isn't it about time? Yeah, it is. It is about time. And, you know, the funny thing is, is like even people who are up to date with things and understand General Flynn was was persecuted, for lack of a better word, by the government in the Trump spygate saga, they, people are so, um, they're, they're not sure of the details. So like I did a poll to try and figure out where people were. So I would know where to focus when I broke this down and overwhelmingly, of course it's anecdotal, the poll, but overwhelmingly people thought he was in jail and, and he never set foot he in never been to jail. Right. right. So people don't really understand like what, what actually happened in this case. And this complaint boils down the, the the key elements of what they did to him in 51 pages. So if you ever wanted a crash course in the story of General Flynn, this lawsuit is it. And it's so masterful. Um, the law firm of Jesse Banal took this case and no better people to do it because they were involved in the first go round when the government was after him. It's, it's the story. It's how they framed him, set him up on purpose, um, broke every norm, changed, you know, 302s, which are the, the, the forms that you write out as an FBI agent after you do an interview with a, with a person, um, you know, basically criminalized the process against somebody specifically because they didn't want them around when they were doing the rest of the stuff that they were doing, because likely he would have sniffed it out and put a stop to it. Um, down to James Comey at that meeting or at that uh, interview he did on stage where they asked him about how the yeah. ambush happened. You know, they, they sent these agents in to question General Flynn, didn't tell him that it was in, you know, pursuance of some kind of um, criminal investigation or, or any kind of investigation like that. Just talk to him like he was a friend. And James Comey knew he could get away with it because the Trump administration was not shorn up and was not ready. So they violated his rights there. Um, the 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 lie that he spoke about sanctions to the Russian ambassador um, on the call that he made that never happened. Um, it, it basically all went down to standing or um, materiality is the, the the word that that she used. So, for example, they 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 got him on a, or tried to on a one thousand and one charge, which is when you lie to to authorities about something. But the caveat of that statute is that it has to be material to whatever investigation they're doing. So it has to alter the path of that investigation in such a way that it's material to it. Um, similarly to how in the Durham probe, Michael Sussman was was brought up on a 1001 charge because he did lie to investigators about the text messages he sent and stuff like that. And it was material. Characteristically, 1001 is very weak. If you charge somebody with 1001, it's it's a it's a weak charge. Typically, it's used to um, when somebody's cut a deal 
and they were going to be f- facing serious charges, they'll throw the 1001 at them instead of whatever felony that they were going to throw at them. That was much more significant as like a, a carrot to get them to mm-hmm. talk. So the problem with the 1001 on General Flynn was always that they asked him questions about his calls with Kislyak. He answered those questions honestly. Afterwards, they said he answered those questions honestly, and they didn't think that he was lying. That's documented. And they had the transcripts of the call that they were asking him the questions about. So even if he were to have lied about those questions, about those answers and and told them false, false material, they have it on paper. They have it on paper. So it couldn't have been material to the investigation because they had it all right in front of them. So that was the crux of it. And, and you know, then we went on to um, the actual trial, which is mentioned in here, not trial, the actual like experience with the judge, I should say, where you have the Justice Department saying we investigated this. There's actually no reason. It's not in the interest of justice for us to be charging this man with the crime. We're not going to continue this prosecution. We're dropping the charges. And the judge in the case saying, I'm not accepting that. We're going to go after him anyway. You're missing a party to this. If there's no, you can't, you can't have a judge prosecute somebody just because they feel like it. When the justice department who brought the charges in the first place is saying, there's nothing here. We made a mistake. So one of the most important hurdles to get over in, um, in a case like this against the government for malicious prosecution, which is what they're doing, uh, what what he's suing for. You need to get the government on paper admitting that there was no um, there was no predicate. There was nothing there to begin the investigation in the first place. And they are on paper saying that it's actually one of the, the key things that you need to be able to be successful in a case like this. And in Florida, um, ultimately, I think he will be successful. It's a very strong case. I hear you. You know, when I saw Comey on TV saying, yeah, well, what we did, you're not supposed to do that. But I sent it in because it was so early in the process. I don't think they knew what we were doing. I don't know. I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, but it reminds me every time we see that clip of uh, of by Joe Biden talking about, yeah, I told Ukraine if they don't send me the money, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, he, he, we have to have that clip of him shaking down Ukraine on, on tape, which nobody seems to pay attention to. Yep. The, the two seem to be very similar to me. I can't believe the arrogance or the stupidity of Comey to actually put that on tape. No. And, and for everybody to cheer, it's indicative of where we're at right now. Can you remember? Was- do you remember exactly what he said? Yeah, I think I actually have it um, here. If I can, I don't know if you can hear it if I play it, but I've got it. I can send it to you. We can play the clip. Um, uh, I don't know if I have the capacity to do that right now. So okay, well, I, he never, says, I heard you play it right. You can yeah, paraphrase. He says something to the effect of, um, you know, I, I sent them over there. I just sent right. them. Um, and you know, I knew that it was too early in the administration for them to get the white house counsel involved. And so I tell him you didn't have to do this. Right. 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 Or, or, you know, McCabe basically cajoled him into doing it. Andrew McCabe, the deputy. So Comey just admits he sent them over there to, to, to frame them and everybody in the audience cheers because it's their enemy at the time. So they're like, yeah, get them because they did. They, they can't see the forest for the trees. And that was a couple of years ago. The vitriol has just gotten worse since then. 
um, with people throwing all sense of, of decorum and, you know, tradition and rule of law and, and justice to the side on behalf of targeting whoever their political enemy is perceived to be. And didn't the Department of Justice say they admit there was no probable cause when they dropped the charges? Yes, there was no probable cause. There was no predicate. There was nothing to jump. There was no that's that's the key to winning that 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 case is that the government itself on paper admitted that there was no probable cause when they brought the case against him. He's going. I mean, it would be I would be shocked if he didn't win. And I'm also actually pretty shocked how long it took him to do it. That's what um, I was going to ask you. Why? Why? Because why you think it took this long? I mean, I don't know. I, I can't speak for him, even though, um, you know, in full disclosure, I sit on the board of America's Future, where he's the chairman. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to put that out there. But but I can't I can't answer for him. But I think it was kind of like, let's just move on, you know. But then as things just keep kept getting worse and worse and worse, he was like, you know what? Screw this. We have to fight back. And he decided to fight back. And I think he's got he's got a real good chance of winning. And it's, it's a significant sum of money um, that he's asking for. So, yeah, I hope he uh, gets it. yeah. Uh, and the one of the things that surprised me is there's no mention, if, if I've heard you correctly previously, that Peter Strzok and Lisa Page are not in it. They are. Well, they're not being sued. The government. Oh, OK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're mentioned. Of course, they're mentioned in there because Lisa Page was the one who altered the 302s for Peter Strzok. So they read what he wanted him them to read. That in and of itself is such an abuse of process. Yeah. Like you, you, you weren't at the interview, lady. You don't know what the heck was said when they were sitting down in there. Why are you writing the 302? I hear you. Uh, you know, there's something you said that I almost wasn't able to continue the show because I almost ended up on the floor. Maybe it's because of what we do. And we both know Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. And we, because we do what we do, we know who's where, like, I know where you are, like, and I know what you do, you know what I do. And we know what a lot of other people do. So both of us know that General Flynn has been going around. He's been doing rallies. He's been in Florida. He's been out there. He's at Rock the Red where both of you spoke the same day. He's been here and there. Every time you look around, I'm looking around. I know he's here, there. You can see him at rallies. So it's mind boggling to me that people would think he's still in jail. Well, not still in jail, just that he went to jail at all. Oh, oh, okay. I I misunderstood. Yeah, no, but they thought he went to jail like that. They actually arrested him and brought him to jail and he spent time inside of a jail cell, which never happened. Okay. Oh, I thought you said I thought you meant they still think he's there. No, 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 no. And, and you know, and honestly, too, they they bring up why he pled guilty. And it's it's something that everybody needs to understand, even especially in the course of January 6th. These people threatened him and they threaten you, even though they say that they don't do that. And, that you know, the, the government settles half of its its criminal cases. They, they have like a 98 percent conviction rate. And most of the cases that they bring, you don't have the resources to fight this. So you're you're pleading guilty to something, you know, you didn't do admitting guilt to something, you know, you didn't do just so that it can be over with and you can get on with your life. And they were threatening his son. Um, and he just he he didn't have good counsel. And there's a debate to be had about that um, as well. You're and threatening the, Junior? Yeah. Oh, yeah. OK. 
So he pled guilty just to be like, all right, whatever, let's just get this over with. Cooperated with the Mueller special counsel to the extent that he could. There was nothing there. So it, it, it it's a very complicated story that that should be a movie because it is everything wrong with the United States bundled into one man, one man's story. So I hear you, Tracy. Why him? It, like I always thought because he was the national security advisor that they just didn't want him seeing certain things, that he would find out who certain people were, who their associations were. I just think they wanted to get him out of there before he had too much information and started opening files and saying, what? What do you think? Well, his his, you know, his view of the the way he handled intelligence and the intelligence state and how the bureaucracy worked was his biggest enemy. He, he understood that the massive bureaucracy that was the CIA and the U.S. intelligence you know, apparatus needed to be gutted and fixed. And um, and he was the guy to do it. That's what he was going to do. And, uh, the, you know, of course, we know, as Chuck Schumer told us. They're, they have five ways from Sunday to get back at you if you cross them. It's an unelected bureaucracy that really runs the country, as we've learned and we're, we're seeing in real time now. Um, and so he was going to he was going to put a stop to that and, and fix it. And they couldn't have that. And not only that, when you have somebody who is so skilled in intelligence and did some absolutely amazing and, you know, history changing stuff when he was um, a general. Um, it, it's a threat to the entire system. And they would have, he would have seen immediately what they were doing to president Trump. That's right. Immediately the whole Spygate operation, the whole special counsel investigation, it all would have gone much differently had general Flynn still been there. And one has to question Pence because that's where the buck f- fell was with Mike Pence. Um, and so I, I always wonder what, you know, what was going through Pence's mind. Now we're getting a little bit more clearer of a picture on where Pence stands in the grand scheme of things. But what was going on that he he asked for a resignation like that based on the rumors of legacy media that I don't understand. But I hear you. I uh, put up a, a, a tweet as uh, somebody had tweeted a post uh, with a picture of Trump looking at Pence when they were together. And the caption reads, isn't it odd that Mike Pence is literally the only person in Trump's orbit that the FBI hasn't investigated? Why is that? It's true. (laughs) And, you know, the crazy thing is that during Spygate, right, he had the husband of an FBI agent working with Peter Strzok as his chief of staff. Hmm. So they were right in his office, either willingly or not. I don't think we'll know. He fired that chief of staff when he found out. But we'll probably never know what was going on there either. But they were they were trying to get in there. My best friend uh, who lives in Wanta, and I'll just mention that to you since you're originally from Farmingdale. So you you, yep, you know I the know area Wanta. here. Yeah. You know the area here. He he keeps contending to me every day. Doesn't Mike Pence realize he's the most hated man in America by by true patriots in the right. Yet he goes around speaking and talking and he's on Hannity tonight and he's going all places as if he's an American hero. Like he's, he's basically almost in Liz Cheney um, territory. Territory. Yeah. I think he surpassed Romney and that's hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. He's not very liked. He's not. But do you very think well he liked. knows it? Cause he, he acts I mean, of course like, he knows it. Oh, he, he does just, know it. Of course. He just thinks that there's a larger contingency of, um, Typical, traditional 
media slave Republican still in existence that will support him. And I think he's absolutely wrong. And the landscape has completely changed politically where campaigns of the past, like he would run now, are just going to fail. They're not going to succeed. Yeah, because he's to me, that's a word. The word is called delusion. Yes. Good word. (laughs) Good word. Yeah. Yeah. Delusion. He's delusional because if he thinks that because, you know, he's going in places, getting booed and he's smiling like they love me. (laughs) It's crazy. Crazy. All right. Moving on. A massively important free speech case, Missouri versus Biden, you say is at a very critical stage for those who don't know. Tell us what Missouri versus Biden is and why you email me that it's, quote, the most important civil liberties case of our lifetime, if not more, not hyperbole. End quote. You spoke of a blockbuster filing coming up. Please tell people what this free speech case is all about. This case, I am stunned, is not getting more media attention. It is absolute, like, you know, you, you hear about the Twitter files, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and so th- it kind of dovetails with that. Usually we get Twitter file stuff and hearings, and then everybody says, okay, great, so what now? Well, in this case, we actually have a lawsuit filed by the states of Missouri, uh, Louisiana, and a number of other plaintiffs like um, Jim Hoft from the Gateway Pundit. and. Mm-hmm. A couple doctors, um, Dr. Bhattacharya, um, Dr. Kiriarty, a lot of doctors that spoke out during COVID. So this case is filed against the government, alleging that the government is threatening and coercing social media companies to censor American speech online. Right. And it's blockbuster in a number of ways because the the plaintiffs who are Louisiana and Missouri asked the judge to allow um expedited discovery in the case before even the trial starts because they're asking for a preliminary injunction to stop the government from doing all of this stuff. They want the government to stop communicating with these outside NGOs that they're using to do what they're technically not allowed to do. And there's a gazillion examples of that we can get into. Um, They're asking the, the, the government and the FBI and CISA to stop communicating with Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and um, Pinterest and and Twitter and all of these social media companies and telling them you must remove this. Otherwise, we will insert threat. Mm. The judge granted that expedited discovery, Gary, It's and depositions of some really high profile people. Um, like Anthony Fauci, uh, an FBI agent called Elvis Chan, um, the second in charge at CISA, the second in charge in the White House, um, a number of really very important people that normally are outside of the realm of being able to be touched by deposition at all have been questioned and deposed. Document production has been enormous. Um, And it focuses on several different topics, all of them the most important things to happen in our lifetimes, like COVID-19 and the censorship on social media surrounding that, vaccination and the censorship surrounding that, election integrity and the censorship surrounding that, Um, the Hunter Biden laptop story, Mm -hmm. you know, all the things that we talk about that are crucial to moving forward. So you remember the Disinformation Governance Board? No. They were... They were trying to form something called the Disinformation Governance Board. Um, CISA was trying to Mm -hmm. form this this board. And what its job was going to be would be to police misinformation, disinformation and malinformation online and elsewhere. According to who, though? 
Accor- exactly. That was the problem with it. And so there was an outcry in, in the public and, and in government and they, they ended up shutting it down. But the problem is that it was never that was just going to be an extension of what they were already doing, mm-hmm. not necessarily something new. So CISA, the organization that was brought up under Donald Trump's presidency, unfortunately, um, has been spying on you. They're supposed to monitor critical infrastructure in the country, things like, you know, utilities and and things like that. Well, what we learned in this lawsuit, Gary, is that they have now classified your thoughts as critical United States infrastructure. Oh, wow. And because of that, they have now given themselves permission to regulate your thoughts online and to act to make you think a certain way that they feel is in the best interest of of the country. We learned that in the discovery for this lawsuit. It's terrifying. We learned that that's not even China spying on us. No, that's that's our government saying we're going to regulate your thoughts. Um, Rob Flaherty, who's the I'm not Rob Flaherty, Brian Scully, who is the second in command at CISA in his deposition, literally just weeks ago, alluded to something that's actually happened. He said, well, look, just for example, like the financial sector, if people start talking about um, how poorly a bank is doing or banks are doing, it could cause a harm to national security if people believe that there's a problem in the financial sector. So we would want the ability to regulate what information was seen and heard by the American public in regards to that. This is 1984 on steroids in this country. How do they accomplish this? Is this done by shadow banning or making sure that certain information you think it's out, but it's not out or people don't see it or they just zap it completely? How, How do they go about that? All of the ways that we've become accustomed to are the tools they're using. Um, So, for example, one of the things that the White House uh, communications office was very keen on is censoring anybody who was sharing their own personal story of an adverse event after a vaccine injury. Okay, Mm -hmm. they were on Facebook, let's just say, saying, hey, I just got this vaccine. I'm having a really hard time. I'm having tremors. My you know, I had a stroke, whatever. That's not against the terms of service on Facebook, but the White House demanded that that be removed or censored. So what Facebook said was, we can't take this down. It doesn't really violate us, but we've made it so that nobody can see it. Mm -hmm. So they're basically talking to themselves. They also banned a number of groups that were discussing. These are communities that formed of people who were experiencing some terrible things that have banded together to support each other. They were just wiping them off of Facebook because the 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 government said so. Um, They had them create new algorithms to be able to catch this stuff. And in an interesting uh, serendipitous turn of events, Instagram created an algorithm to sweep up any vaccine talk that they could find and basically demote it so that nobody saw it or it was right. Right. So all of a sudden, Rob Flaherty, secretary, you know, White House, basically chief of staff on the communication side to Biden, gets in touch with the folks over at Meta and says, hey, listen, for some reason, the POTUS account on Instagram isn't picking up any followers or or isn't having any (laughs) engagement. And because he was so pushing the vaccine so hard on that account, it inadvertently inadvertently got caught up in the very censorship mechanism they installed to do the opposite. And Flaherty lost his mind. So that's great. Yeah. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. And uh, and he didn't like it very much. So you'd have to wonder why he thought it was okay to do for everyone else. But there are 
in this discovery that we got, there are countless examples of the government's uh, threatening social media that they will remove their Section 230 permissions, that they will hold them accountable for people's deaths. Joe Biden asking for um, Mark Zuckerberg to be arrested. And believe it or not, a lot of the time, the government, the, the Facebooks of the world and the Twitters of the world were pushing back against the censorship. They were saying, you know, if we do this, it's not going it, to people are going to know and it's going to make it worse. Like we don't want to censor everybody on our social platform. And they did put up a fight, but they were under the cudgel of a big government threatening the, the very existence of their company. And they treated them like a battered wife, like Rob Flaherty would curse them out, would yell at them, would tell them how terrible they were, like abuse them verbally. The executives of these companies, if they didn't do exactly what he said that he wanted them to do. Um, there, there's been a number of things that have happened so far, but of course the government has appealed this. They appealed certain decisions. They brought a writ of mandamus. Do you know what that is? No. A writ of mandamus is basically when you say, okay, plaintiff, you are acting so wildly and asking for so many things that are so far they're They're crazy. We need another court to rein rein in this judge who's granting these orders to the plaintiffs who are demanding things that we don't like and that we think are abnormal and, and insane. And so they, they do that at the appeals court above the court where they're sitting. And that would be the fifth circuit of appeals. So they go to the fifth circuit of appeals and say, stop this judge from granting all these orders. The plaintiffs are asking for, and the court of appeals says, we're not going to do that. Actually, we're just going to give him a little guidance on, on how to do this the right mm -hmm. way. And so they didn't, they refused to honor the mandamus petition. They just basically said, maybe you should try doing this first. And then the judge would do exactly what they said. And it wouldn't matter because it, it, it all produced the same results. Right. And then they, they denied the mandamus petition just a week ago. Um, so there's a couple different things happening right now. Number one, we're learning a whole bunch of stuff we didn't know and, and the extent of it, including these NGOs that are government taxpayer funded, um, that are literally running censorship help desks. They've, they've propped up these, these desks of, of a complaint line. Basically, like if you have a problem with your computer in a large company, you put in a ticket saying my keyboard's broken and they ship out a tech to fix it. Well, they've got everybody from all over the government, mostly 99% on the left. It's just what it is saying, we don't like what this person said, please have them remove it. We don't like wow. secretaries of state about election stuff that they don't like, um, you know, state representatives, Adam Schiff demanding that Paul Sperry be removed because he's supposedly a QAnon adherent who's saying things that are mean to his staff, um, demanding they, they censor him because of it. It, it they These not-for-profits are running these help desks and then funneling all this information to the social media companies, but they're taxpayer-funded, see? Mm -hmm. So even though it's not the actual government representative, these NGOs have dual employees with the government who are sitting there. Oh, now I'm working for the Stanford Internet Observatory and not the government. But I'm going to tell social media company A that they need to take this post down or else. And that's what we've learned. There's a motion to dismiss was filed. Obviously, they said that these people can't sue us. They have no standing. Missouri and Louisiana can't sue us for this. It's not their place. And the judge said, sorry, this case is moving forward. Your motion to to dismiss this case is denied with prejudice, meaning they can't do it anymore again. They can't bring up anything that, again. That's to so great. 
It's amazing. And then now they're waiting to rule on the uh, temporary injunction to halt this, which would halt it through the election, Gary. So they would have to really figure out some way to be extra extra creative to get their censorship engines running for the uh, election this go round. So. Right. So before I ask you about that aspect, I need to back up because I, I thought I heard you say I thought I heard you say that Joe Biden wanted Mark Zuckerberg arrested. He did. He made that comment. Well, before you even comment on it, it's interesting because I think there's a lot of people I know and some people, you know, that would probably agree with him, but probably for different reasons. I Yes, true. Yeah, I know. Um, that was funny to me to hear that. It, the, think, problem, well, the problem is, is honestly, like he, other than Google YouTube, Okay. They were, they were doing all this by themselves. They didn't care what the government said. They just wanted to quelch everybody that they possibly could. Other than them, all these other companies really did push back against this. Um, they weren't so quick to do it. And I think that's going to stun a lot of people. Um, but it's true. I mean, it's, it's documented in their internal emails. It's, it's, they were like, this isn't good. We shouldn't really be doing this, but they did it anyway. So yeah. Now, uh, I think you said in the, within what is coming out of this Missouri versus Biden cases that Fauci perjured himself. Oh, gosh, yes. Several times. Dozens of times. I think there are 24 times that they um, 24 times that they identified that he perjured himself. And so in asking for the temporary injunction, you're basically pleading your case to the judge before you get to the real case. And with that, they filed this 1,024 point statement of um, alleged statement of facts that they garnered from their discovery. And there's a whole section in there where they prove that Anthony Fauci perjured himself and they show what he said versus other things he said in public and in private. And they say none of his deposition is trustworthy. He lied to us the entire time. He couldn't recall things like hundreds of times. He said he couldn't remember. And then they proved that he would know. And that's all in there. And of course, the government, Gary, came in and said, we want this stricken. This is not allowed. This is against the rules. They can't file this. How are we supposed to respond to this in time? It's too much work for us. And the judge said, uh, too bad. So sad. There you go. I'll give you you a five day extension. Good luck. I mean, that's what you want in the justice system. We don't Mm -hmm. get that anymore. It's happening in this case. And that is why you go go ahead. One more thing that's really interesting. I don't know if you saw on the culture side, Gary, the Stanford attorneys, um, the legal students, they had a judge come in to speak to the Stanford legal students and they didn't like the topic of the lecture and they harassed and heckled and booed and acted like a bunch of petulant children. It's been a huge controversy because the dean of Stanford Law School actually came out and supported the judge. And that was the last. So the judge that they were harassing in that in that lecture who wanted to talk about censorship and covid and all of that Mm -hmm. is is the judge. One of the judges on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals over the Missouri Missouri v. Biden case. Yes. Good. Yep. Well, you 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 know, we all need something to hope for as we're getting defeated seemingly at each and every turn. And you say to root for this case. Why? It seems like a victory here would lead to ending censorship everywhere. Is that what you believe? And could this 
actually create a precedent leading up to a Supreme Court ruling if they were to win this case. A hundred percent. It is such an important case. And it's it's not an important case that has no chance. You see, there are a lot of important cases that are filed that don't really have a chance because, you know, that judges aren't really going to look into what the people are saying and they're just going to dismiss on a technicality because they have no cojones. Um, this case is not that it is not a shot across, you know, a shot into the dark. This judge has, you know, established that he's going to follow the rule of law and the constitution. A court above him has established that they're willing to do the same. So there's a real reason to be excited about this because it will bar the government from funding any organization in any way, shape or form or themselves threatening social media companies to censor Americans. Now, what the companies do on their own time is a different story. But, you know, if Elon Musk and Twitter is any indication, we might have a revolution in social media that they can't police any longer, which would really be something. Yeah, this would be great. You know, do you have any idea how long it's going to take for this to come to a conclusion? Because I know the bad guys are going to try and drag it out and we want a decision as soon as possible. Well, yeah, and that's why the temporary injunction is so crucial, because if they didn't file for that temporary injunction, the case could be dragged out for another three, four years with no stopping their censorship activity. But if the judge rules in favor of this temporary injunction, it doesn't matter how long they take because they're barred from doing anything that the relief requests at the end. Yes. So, yep. Do you do you have any idea when this ruling is supposed to come down? Middle of April. Middle of April. We're, 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 we're almost there. So this is something everybody to uh, keep an eye on. And the interesting thing is Tracy said, this should be top flight news. This should have been all over. I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even, I hadn't heard of it. I know a lot of people had it and I have a big microphone, but it's not, you know, a mega microphone. So I'm trying, I'm screaming about it everywhere. I said, Gary, we could dedicate a whole hour to this case because right. I said, what case? <laughs> I know the information that's come out on this, the things that have been exposed are so abhorrent and disgusting. It, it's, I can't even, it, you, you could almost barely wrap your, and then the Twitter files stuff runs like next to it because you're getting it from inside of Twitter versus from discovery. So you're seeing, of course, they're up here vacuuming. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I have some work being done and uh-huh. they're vacuuming. Um, so you're seeing it. You're seeing it from two different perspectives, but the conclusions are the same. So there's that. OK, well, we have talked about two cases that are really, really important because uh, General Flynn taking on the government for what they did to him, which should never happen to any private citizen and our citizen of the United States and what they have done to us with censorship in all ways, shape or form should never be going on in a place that's not a banana republic. And I know the people are interested, but let's get to what you and I know everybody wants to hear about. And this show, for the record, people, we are recording this on uh, March 22nd. It will air When you hear this, it'll be airing on Tuesday, March 28th. So what you're about to say now, it could be a completely different thing by then. But however, let's deal with what we have on the table. What is your take on the ridiculousness, the ridiculousness of the indictment of President Trump in New York 
You say they're playing us like a cheap fiddle. And does the Trump Georgia filing tie into this in any way? And obviously, I would take none of this would be going on if he hadn't announced he was running for president again. Well, yeah, I, I mean, that that could be true. I think their vendetta against him runs very deep, though, and they'd probably persecute the man until until there was no man left, unfortunately. But the New York case is such a weird thing. It's so ridiculous on its face that you kind of have to stretch your imagination to believe that a grand jury would actually indict him on it. And so you're even seeing some of the left right now saying, why don't we not do this? because it's just going to have the opposite effect on everything that follows after it. So they're not saying don't do it at all. They're saying don't do it right now. Let's let Georgia play out. Let's let the special counsel investigation play out. And then at the end, if you need the cherry on top, go ahead. Um, the charges in you, I'm not even convinced, Gary, as we sit here on March 22nd at 1142 a.m., that he will be uh, indicted. They're starting to kind of waffle on it a little bit. And people are saying, you know, why do they have all the security? It's because he asked them to go protest. So they're getting, you know, they're they're acting, they're acting like there's going to be some insurrection 2.0 um, in New York City. And that's why that they're, they're beefing things up. But the substance of this is absurd. Everybody knows it. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with Georgia, although there is a lot of interesting stuff happening in Georgia right now. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's so weak and so stupid and so, you know, such a stretch and such a reach. I mean, let's let's put everything else aside. Stormy Daniels is on the record under oath saying there was no affair. Doesn't that. So, so what's, mean, the what's, what's the case? That's a, I mean, that's and they're relying on Michael Cohen, who is a known liar mm -hmm. to the feds, to everybody. He's documented as a liar. So it's really it would really be a career ending country destabilizing indictment and would clearly be viewed by 90 percent of the population as political, a political attack. My biggest thing is we've got a weaponized justice system against the everyman that is powerfully assaulting the everyman every day with political vitriol in their charging decisions, in their investigations. And nobody was as up in arms about it as they are about this. And I, I argue that you should be, if not more up in arms about the everyman than you should about their elected representative. Because if they can get rid of you, the vote doesn't even make a difference anymore. They've got a, they've got a, you know, a kingdom, a dynasty. So that's my argument there. But in Georgia, there was that special purpose grand jury that was called right after the 2020 election to investigate um, election issues in Georgia, um, focused largely around the phone call that Trump had with Raffensperger right. and uh, Kemp. And there, they had they formed this special purpose grand jury, which is different than any other grand jury. It's not a criminal jury because they don't have the power to indict, but they will call this very, very, very rarely. It's very rarely used um, if they know that it's going to be a focused investigation that's going to take a long time and a regular grand jury can't handle it. So this was dedicated solely to this investigation and. It went through and then you saw the four person come out and say all the crap that the four person was saying all over the media about things. And they kind of tarnished it because she wasn't supposed to really do that. And yesterday on Monday, I'm sorry, yesterday, 
uh, Donald Trump filed um, in the case, even though he's a non-party, he was never subpoenaed. He was never asked to testify or asked to come in for questioning or anything. He filed a, a motion to completely squash or quash the entire grand jury report. Right. Anything that came out of it for several different reasons. He challenges the constitutionality of it. He challenges the process. He challenges the procedure. But more importantly, he challenges the the, the fact that there is inherent bias in this DA. And during this whole process, she'd been on the media every other day, giving interviews about the criminality involved. And remember, this this grand jury is not sequestered. So they're listening to her. They're hearing yeah. her say they're they're tainting the grand the, the 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 grand jury. They're tainting them completely. And not only that, but usually, if it's the judge declared it a criminal grand jury, even though they can't indict, that's outside of statute. He's really not allowed to do that. And then you're removing people's Fifth Amendment protections because the DA is calling people targets of the investigation. And in federal stance, that ha- that has a lot of a lot of weight to it. If you're a target in a federal investigation, you are afforded different pr- rights. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're you're allowed to, uh, you know, invoke your Fifth Amendment and nobody's allowed to, to, to judge you for it. You're allowed to not testify in front of a grand jury. And these witnesses that were hauled in as targets didn't have that opportunity. And now that report is going to be sent over to an actual criminal grand jury who's going to use the testimony of the people who couldn't assert their rights against them. And then what happens when they release this report? Grand juries are supposed to be in secret for a reason. Right, right. <laughs> if you're going to court. Right, right. But this DA during this was literally campaigning against and saying negative things about and targeting in vicious ways the now lieutenant governor of Georgia who was being brought in for questioning. And the judge in the case ruled you're biased towards this guy. Um, you can't bring him in for questioning. You can't charge him. You can't do anything to him because you've clearly demonstrated you have an ax to grind with the dude. But in a case, you're not supposed to say, oh, well, she's biased against this one Republican, but she's not biased against any other Republican. Right. It's only th- So the judge just allowed her to continue the investigation with one person excluded just just from a very 30,000 foot view. That isn't fair. What's fair about that? So this guy gets a free pass because she talked about him badly on social media. Meanwhile, she's all over the media saying other things like you're not supposed to do that in an investigation. Did Durham do that? No, no. And then there's there's leaks out of the special counsel in the Mar-a-Lago document raid today as well. So they're politicized. They're politicizing the investigations that they're running to use them for media fodder which is the antithesis of everything that we know about how the justice system is supposed to work. Right. And taking it from Georgia to back up here where I am up in here in New York, you know, people, you have, you have a person who was already president showed what he could do for the country. Who's running again. And they're they're actually trying to indict him on what legitimately would be a misdemeanor you know, this is a person running for president. They don't indict presidents for anything, basically. You know, like, but this would be basically a misdemeanor. But they had to try and bump it up to a felony to even try and make it. And and their attempt to do that, as Tracy just said, is so weak. They have to know they can't win this. This is a nuisance. What do you think? There's something else behind this. 
Well, yeah, I mean, everything, everybody knows there's something else behind it. They just want the photo op. But knowing Donald Trump, he's going to weaponize that photo op right back at them. Um, and, and, you know, to get it to a felony, Gary, they have to prove that first he had, they have to prove he falsified business records when he sent over the $430,000 to Cohen for his legal services. Then they have to prove that they, that he falsified those business records in furtherance of another crime to get it to be the felony. And New York, as you know, has picked through Donald Trump's businesses. Right. They have nothing. Exactly. Exactly. So it's it's really it's just a it's just a farce. The whole thing is just a farce. It it really is. Um, it's it's a, there are so many. Just take the Hillary Clinton email investigation for goodness sakes. They have her dead to rights on a crime. There, they admitted they did, and they changed the law to fit so that they wouldn't have to do anything about it. And then you look at this. And, you know, every everyday Americans are going to contrast, compare and contrast the two. My hope is only that they see not a man when they look at Donald Trump as, you know, a persecuted man. But the fact that they're trying to persecute the ideals that he championed. And that's really what the case is, is that they're going after the ideals that the movement champions, not necessarily you know, they don't like him because he actually carried them out. But that's not their biggest enemy. Their biggest enemy are the people who right. support those those support ideologies. Him. Yeah. Right. And the other thing that's come out of this that we're seeing, unfortunately, um, this gave an opportunity to for two people to pour gas on the fire. And that, uh, on a you know, the fire was kind of simmering there. And this allows uh, Trump and DeSantis, unfortunately, to... Uh, to pour gas on a fire that should shouldn't even be lit at this point in time. What would you I say about that? A hundred percent agree with you. And being on, you know, I'm very objective about everything, literally everything. Um, and and I like facts and data. I'm not a. I, I don't typically. I'm a, I'm a woman, so I'll just give myself that. But I don't typically react emotionally to things. Um, I, I kind of take a very pensive, cautious look at what's going on before I I, I lash out. And what I'm seeing is any question at this point, Gary, about anything, any sheer like minute criticism of Donald Trump, any um, well, maybe this he shouldn't do this or maybe he should do that or he should probably stop doing this or he should do that. People are attacking each other as though they are mortal enemies and they're on the same side side. Right. And they are they are literally playing right into the left's hands and. They're they're following the playbook. This is what they want. They and it's it's vitriolic. It's nasty. It's it's really really bad. What's happening within the group of people who have pledged to fight with one another to save this country? And I don't like it at all. Right now, the left do it all the time. You know, Kamala Harris is called Biden a racist up there during the Democratic uh, during their debates and stuff, and Bernie Sanders is going after this and that. But they after after they fight, they all find a way to come together. We find a way to allow these type of things to divide us. It seems. And, they, and they do. And it's polarizing and we won't get anywhere this way. So, like, let's say DeSantis decides to run. Right. And let's say for argument's sake, he actually is able to somehow win a primary. Um, what do you do at that point? You know, everybody loved DeSantis until Trump said not to. Well, 
Could you find a conservative that was that was anti-DeSantis before? Right, but then people started digging. What what they dig? You dig, you know. You there, there, there are like if you dig on anybody, you're going to find things that you don't like. I'm just, you know. Well, what what are you what are you referencing exactly? Like what thing is? No, what 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 I'm what I'm saying is that that DeSantis DeSantis. Obviously, to get as far as he got as governor, right? He's beholden to somebody, right? Well, what about Trump? He got pretty far. Who's he beholden to? Well, he used his own money. He used his own money through the primaries, and he never had to come up through the system. That's actually not true. Okay. Especially not in 2016. Not at the end, anyway. Yeah. Well, how do how do you get how do you get through as any politician on either side? How do you get to get from running from, you know, dog catcher up to the governor or up to a congressman or senator without being beholden to somebody or something? Well, I mean, I guess that argument can be made anywhere because, I agree. you know, Trump is very much up the hiney of Lindsey Graham. And, you know, we, we have a problem with that here in South Carolina. Um, you know, now, I, why I, did that happen? I kind of think question. I know. Well, I kind of think I know because, see, I think, unfortunately, the problem with Trump was as a non-politician, he had to he had to allow himself to be attached to some 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 entities to be able to get things done. The <laughs> problem is he attached, he got attached to the wrong people. He's we know. still supporting them. He was standing up on stage here in South Carolina with Lindsey Graham talking about how great he was less than two months ago. Mm-hmm. So, you know, listen, you can have your qualms with anyone. I'm not saying that I'm a DeSantis supporter. I'm not. And I'm, I'm not just, picking on him either. I please people don't. I'm not trying to put Ron oh, DeSantis down. Oh, that would that make you. That, that would make you a champion to that a large my, of people. <laughs> no, no, no. I I support Donald Trump right now. And, and, if, and if something happens to Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis is the best candidate, I'll support him. It's interesting. Um, they don't have to be a perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect person or a perfect candidate. That's my point. Even, even everybody this conversation, has their things. Even this conversation like that we're having right now is not allowed by by many people's standards. Like I can guarantee you if a a large enough group of people hear me, they're going to say she's a DeSantis supporter. She's the enemy. Guarantee it. And it's not it's just not true. So that's the thing we have to just watch out for. You know, once you can't criticize somebody anymore, you no longer have a representative. You have a ruler. You have a king. Okay, and that's not not what we want. We do not want a king. We do not want a king. That's hey, all. Look, they, they look, I've had a lot of guests and you've had a lot of guests. I've had Peter Navarro and people like Christina Bob, a lot of people that worked in the Trump administration. One of my questions to Peter was, why did he put, didn't he know, doesn't he understand what the war is about? Doesn't he understand that they're ideologues? And doesn't he understand about the establishment? And doesn't he understand who's who the globalists are and who the American firsts are? You know, and, and he made some bad decisions. So, yeah, I'll criticize the president, but he did, but he did great things. He's the best president we've ever had that I've ever seen. I agree. He was definitely the best president we ever had. I just my personal thing is I wish that he would have learned from the mistakes that he made and who he surrounds himself with, because that was the death knell right there. So your fear is he hasn't? Yes. Yes. 
Well, you're in South Carolina. You should know. And uh, hanging with Goober. Yeah, by the way, that's when I knew Herschel Walker was in trouble. When I saw Herschel show up with Goober Graham on Hannity, mm. I said, because uh, Herschel had come on. And uh, and when I saw that, I said, well, this isn't good. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, Lindsey Graham is not necessarily the guy that you want standing next to you if you're trying to appeal to the majority of Republican voters. He's just not. He's he's not. Um, I don't I don't understand it. And it doesn't seem much has changed. I mean, even I have issue with a lot of the endorsements he made during the midterms. Here's a guy who has the opportunity to completely reshape the American Congress and Senate on his own. He can completely reshape it to MAGA first populist people who are really, really invested in fixing things. And he took the easy way out a lot of the time. So I, these are my personal issues that I have. That doesn't make I, me I, I a bad it. person. No, <laughs> I agree with you. I see, I see Lindsey Graham is McConnell light, uh-huh. you know, uh, it, it, you know, cause he gets on TV or come on handy to these shows that I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this. And he does nothing that we want him to do. Yeah. You know, so yeah. and, and, and he, I yeah, you align with him. That's a problem. He wants to send our, our sons and daughters to die in a war that we have nothing to do. We should have nothing to do with. Ukraine is the devil's playground. Yeah, he's a globalist. So yep. I, I'm not. So before we ask you to tell people how they can find you. My final question is, how important is Kerry Lake's legal challenge in the Supreme Court case in Arizona? to what other states may hopefully be able to do in the near future. How they, you know, we've been keeping our eye on this for so long and it's so disappointing to me because we keep waiting and waiting and waiting. And are we going to get a breakthrough here? I, I don't know. I don't know. I've been following it super duper closely. Um, and you know what's going to we're yesterday was the day that the Supreme Court in Arizona heard or, you know, was going to make the decision on whether or not they were going to take her case on. We still haven't gotten an answer on that. If they do take it on, they're very smart because it it has implications for elections in Arizona for the rest of time, whether or not election law is actually law or whether or not it's just something to be willy nilly followed whenever, when, when you want to, or when it's convenient. So it's a very important case um, in that way. I don't have, I don't know. I'm, I'm not as confident about that case as I am about the Missouri v. Biden case. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Uh, you played on your, uh, show dark to light you you played a clip of carrie at cpac talking about how uh, somebody threatened her before she went there yes they came and asked basically tried to bribe her out of running they tried right. to bribe her out of running for senate in arizona and out of continuing her political career right. at least for the next t- couple years two years then she said look the stuff you're bribing me with i already left all that i know and then but the interesting statement to me that she said was uh they said well what would it take and to me that was a threat in other words it seems to me like they were saying well how important how 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 much do you treasure your life that's the way i took that statement my question to you which I have been asked is, uh, does she have proof of this? Like she has a house, hopefully aren't there cameras around or something that she, she have any proof? I think the that she announced it publicly was her shot back. 
And that can be a silent war that nobody needs proof for, right? Her point in announcing that wasn't so that everybody knew that it happened and that, well, her point in announcing that was more to give a message to the people who did it than it was for people to have proof that it happened. So I'm sure she has something tangible. I, I don't think that she would have said that if it weren't true. I and hope it she happens, plans to do something about it. I, I, it happens all the time in politics. She just had the balls to come out and say it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we've gone through a lot right here and we've talked about a lot of things. Well, my, before we ask you how to reach you, uh, give the people a reason for hope, because one of the problems that both of us have, we just go on and just keep saying this is wrong. This is bad. This is bad. This is bad. This is bad. And it's like people are on a bridge getting ready to jump off. So uh, give them give them a reason for some hope here as we close. Well, if we weren't being somewhat successful or very successful in what we're doing as a as a people in illuminating the truth and getting the, the, the truth out there in front of folks for them to see, they wouldn't be acting so absolutely crazy right now. They don't seem to be acting with any agenda or plan. They're throwing things at the wall just to see if they stick. Um, and, you know, we're very strong. There's that movie front. There's that scene from Ants. If one of them stands up, then they all might stand up. They outnumber us 100 to 1, and we do. And it's just going to take a lot less infighting and a lot more standing together and a lot more local, um, you know, getting involved locally. When you shine the light on these little leeches, they squirm. So mm. just keep doing it and um, keep fighting. And, you know, a lot of people give up when it gets really kind of uncomfortable, Right. So you'll you'll be involved locally and they'll be squabbling back and forth and fighting and, and whatever. And there'll be people up there that you've elected to lead you that are depending on your support to keep going. If at the very first sign of drama, you go back to your living room and put on Fox News and get on social media and be a keyboard warrior, you're abandoning the fight. So stick through the hard things. Otherwise, the people that you've put in place to fight those hard things for you won't be able to do so successfully. There you go. Because, see, they want us to quit. They want us to quit and we can't quit. We have to keep fighting. Tracy, please tell people about uh, how they can reach you and about your podcast and about your uh, organization, Uncover DC, where they can get uh, great, great, great things. Thanks, Gary. You can find us at UncoverDC.com. Uh, social media where I'm at Tracy beans, basically everywhere with the Z at the end. And then uncovered DC is everywhere too. And we both have a podcast on the absolutely amazing radio influence. There you go. So yes. And tell them the name dark to light, right? Dark to light. Yeah. Now dark tell, to light them, with tell them what you do, because not only is it highly informative, it's highly entertaining. So I'll let you <laughs> explain the concept between you and Frank and uh, you and Frank. Thank you. I'm glad you like it. It's fun. We have a great time with it. It's 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 very information intensive, but we try to have fun, too. So Frank is a, is a clown and um, he's, <laughs> with drums in the background. Yes. With drums in the background. He is a clown um, and he's he's a lot more culture focused where I'm a lot more politically focused. So it's a good mix of the two of us dancing around and just entertaining everyone. Um, hopefully. Right, and you're in South Carolina and he's up here in New York where I am. Westchester. So it all depends right. on how you count Westchester. Is it upstate? Right. <laughs> no, Westchester, that that's close enough to, well, that's close enough to, to the city. 
Okay. Is it, you know what? Him- if you think about it, Westchester, where he is in Long Island, where I am, are about the equal distance from Manhattan, right? Yeah, but Long Island is considered is is I, I would say where he is is upstate. Okay. You have to, you have to cross the Oh, you call him Condo. Damn right. Oh, boy. You, be, you better not let him hear this show because <laughs> he's not going to like that. <laughs> hey, Tracy, I really appreciate you coming on again and giving people uh, a, a lot of information and just keep up the good work, the good fight, and please don't let them grind you down. Oh, thanks, Gary. I love you. And thanks for having me on again. Same. Love you too. Tracy Beans telling it like it is always digging, digging, digging till she finds the facts. I want to thank Tracy Beans for digging to the bottom and coming up with the facts on issues we need to know about in a nation where the disingenuous mainstream media sadly no longer can be trusted. Keep uncovering truth, Tracy. What you do is greatly appreciated. This podcast is available for download at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. If you're listening for the first time, we encourage you to check out the podcast archive located on the page. There you can hear previous guests the likes of Ben Carson, Monica Crowley, Diamond and Silk, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, Mike Lindell, Tom Holman. Kevin Sorbo, Carol Swain, Brandon Tatum, Michael Loftus, Herschel Walker, and Naomi Wolf. Well, that's it for now, folks. Thanks for joining us. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, saying God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America. America.